This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, there are a couple of things I want to get to because they're, they're important in the game and also just in the context of, of uh, NFL cities. And it felt like at one point in time, now this is the old days because this year Soldier Field was impeccably <laughs> prepared and there were no complaints about the surface. But... There were so many complaints about the surface about the, at the Super Bowl. It reminded me of Soldier Field in the Chicago Park District and to the point where you're like, what's going on here? Dan, a month ago, I'm looking at a headline from the Ann Arbor News, and it says conditions on retractable field an issue for Michigan TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. That was a month ago. You got a month to get it re- the Super Bowl field ready, and yet you had people slipping and sliding all over the place. It was a factor. The Eagles and Eagles fans will try to say that it slowed down the Eagles' pass rush. Don't know about that, but it was an issue on, on, a, on a night where it can't be an issue. I do think it slowed down the Eagles' pass rush. I don't know if that it, that it made 100% of the difference for them having zero sacks, but for a team that had 70 during the regular season, that's that's jarring. The Chiefs did a lot of things with chip help to make that happen as well. But you're talking about the field becoming a focal point in the biggest game on the biggest stage of the sport. And to your point, it's not a one-off. If this was happening uh, for TCU Michigan in the college football playoff, this was happening as it does occasionally for Arizona Cardinals games, you have to figure out what to do. You know, I've Obviously, they roll this grass in and out of the field. It's a, you know, a stadium with a roof on it, and the, the grass is elsewhere, and then they bring it in, and they put it there, and they, they, they feel like they've got this thing taken care of. And then you've got all this paint on it as well, and it was just – it was slick. I think it was Jordan Mailata who, who, who said it was like playing at a water park, and you just saw so many issues of guys on a 77-degree sunny day in a beautiful place to play football sliding around like they were in inclement weather. I mean, Jacob Elliott can't even get a, a normal kickoff off because he can't plant that left foot and get it off. Isaiah Pacheco scores a touchdown, almost falls on his keister behind the end zone because, you know, whatever happens there, it hits a you know, black ice or whatever it is behind the end zone and almost falls. And it was just, there was, there was too much of it all afternoon. And then, you know, the broadcast is showing these barrels of cleats that have been <laughs> thrown aside because players need to change and get some footing. That, that's better. It was a disaster. And that's a problem. I was worried about Jalen Hurts doing the gritty. I'm gonna get hurt. It's gonna get hurt, right? Yeah, know, gonna it's gonna fall, get hurt. Fall on his face. It's like, what, what, what recourse do you have? I mean, you shouldn't have this. You shouldn't have this to worry about at the Super Bowl. This shouldn't be something that you worry about. At the, the stakes at the highest. But how does it get to that point? Is there not a checks and balance in, in, in place? I, I, I don't know. I guess it's a good lesson for 
Arlington Heights, the next time the, the, the Bears and the first time that we have a Super Bowl. In well, Chicago, listen, like that the, the, that's going to be even before the Super Bowl, you're going to when you build a, a stadium, you're going to have to decide on the surface and you're going to have to decide how you're going to maintain the surface. And you're going to have to decide what's best for your players in terms of, of, of health and safety. And you're going to have to determine what's easy to maintain. And there's a lot that goes into that. And, that, you know, this will fall into the office of Kevin Warren at some point and, and the people that he entrusts to, to figure that out, because I don't think the NFL can reasonably reward Arizona with another Super Bowl without getting some form of answer on how this is going to not be the same the next time they play there. Anything that affects the integrity of the game has got to be of foremost and utmost concern to the commissioner. And I think that it will be as long or as in addition to officiating. Now, I want to ask you about the, the holding call that was flagged on third and eight. It was a key moment. It deprived the Eagles of getting the ball back with a chance to win or tie in Philadelphia, they'll tell you it cost them maybe the Super Bowl because if you get the ball back, if they hold to a field goal, whatever the case may be, then who knows what happens and how that finishes against that Chiefs defense. I kind of am with Greg Olson on this one when the Fox announcer said, uh, analyst, he had a great game, by the way, in my opinion. Yeah. He said that you, you, you let that go all game and then you call it there. I don't know if that's time or place. I like the way he pushed back to Mike Pereira in that discussion, Dan, uh, and I probably would have favored that not throwing the flag rather than throwing the flag in that instance. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking just to make sure I've got it right. It was third and eight. So the incompletion leads to a uh, a field goal attempt with 148 left, right? So that's the difference here between the, the, the Eagles getting the ball with 148 left or five seconds left. And so now it's the same score and they've got their chance to answer. I'm with Greg Olson on this. And I, I, I'm um, excited that as a former player, he spoke up on behalf of the players to say, well, wait a second, right? Like if I'm a police officer in my town, I can sit at the end of the block and uh, – ticket people all day for rolling the stop sign, but we don't, you know, we let him go. And it wasn't egregious. He didn't speed through that stop sign. We let it go. And, and, and so then you get used to it and you say, okay, I'm going to roll the stop sign. And James Bradbury, to his credit, not only did he plead guilty to the infraction after the game, but he took questions for 15 minutes and owned it. I mean, it's a franchise history changing moment where he gets called for this penalty and he owns it. And, and he, he deserves credit for that. I just don't know that, you can make that the first call of the game at the end of the game. This isn't just me as a football fan talking about this, because obviously as a football fan, I want to see the game decided on a game deciding play rather than a game deciding penalty. And this was the opposite of that. But at the same time, there has to be consistency. And I think you could go through that game video, David, of, of three plus hours, and you could find a number of plays, half dozen, 10, 12, whatever it may be, where there was contact or a grab or a hold or a clutch, whatever it may be, that wasn't called. And now in the in, in the, the biggest moment of the biggest game, you decide you are going to call it. And it just just kind of, again, between the field and some of the officiating, and I'll give you another officiating thing in a minute, you just you don't want to take away from the actual beautiful masterpiece football game that we watched with these subplots. I agree with that. There were nine penalties called. It wasn't a flag fest, but it wasn't something that in that, in that point in time you, you feel like you have to enforce. Had they not dropped the flag, it would have been fourth down. It would have been a 33-yard field goal. Makeable, but there would have been a minute 54 left. Imagine that drama. 38-35. Yeah. The Eagles get the ball. Jalen Hurts, he has, you know, 114 seconds to create a legacy. That uh, And same with Nick Sirianni. Now 
you know, what's going to happen with Nick Sirianni? Is he just going to be a meme of him, of him crying during the national anthem? I don't know what's next, but it's not going to be somebody who's celebrating a Super Bowl because in their minds, they may feel like they were deprived the chance to come back and either tie or win that game. So I, I, I think that was was maybe a little bit over over legislated uh, and dropping that flag at that time. To that point, to the point of over legislation, I go back to the Devonte Smith catch along the sideline that was reversed on replay review and, and and turned into an incompletion because this goes for me. This is a 24 year pet peeve, and it goes back to Bert Emanuel against the Rams in the playoffs in 1999, where where we that's a, probably the first moment where we started having these catch no catch arguments, and I just don't understand how on replay we can't find a common sense knob to say that the football is oblong and gravity exists in the world. And so with an oblong ball and a player who hits the ground, of course, things are going to move. I don't know how you prevent movement from happening in a world that has gravity until we play zero gravity football on the moon. I don't know how you prevent that from happening. The dude had the football. He had two feet in bounds, a third foot in bounds, and then he He's, he's got a guy on his back falling to the ground and he hits the ground and the ball, he didn't lose control of it. It just moved. The ball moved. What are we doing? What right. Pod, what podcast is this? Zero gravity. Wait, have <laughs> I, have I tapped into the wrong app? What's going on here? No, it's a good I, point. It's a good point. I, I mean, how do you feel about the, those plays? Right. I just, they're just, they're, there's so many times where like, of, of course you can slow it down to the millisecond and say, Ooh, ooh I, I, I saw the tip of the ball slide a little, like get out of here. With it's that. a tough one because if you have the technology, I believe you should use it as much as you can to get everything right. But common well, sense needs to prevail. I, I do think you have to have common sense. I was just going to, say common sense has to prevail to the fact that to the point that you can't do that every play or else you're going to be there for four and a half hours and you have to find the happy the, the middle ground where you use the technology to enforce you know spotting and first downs and was it a touchdown or not a touchdown but I don't know that you conceivably realistically can review every single play to the point where you have to trust the technology every single instance that it's available at your disposal so you've got to apply some common sense. There's got to be a side judge, a field judge, and a common sense judge. Yeah. Uh, let's get more judges. <laughs> more judges. <laughs> more judges on the bench. Uh, real quick, how about Dave Tobe uh, having his moment with the huge Kadarius Tony punt return that set the, the Chiefs up for a short, short field touchdown that allowed them to pad their lead? Wonderful stuff from the Chiefs special teams. I love the fact that Dave Tobe gets credit. I'm for every expert angle and every expert coach who's a nice guy. And Dave Tobe, they don't come any nicer than Dave Tobe. So I want to give him credit for number one, Tony's a guy that came over at midseason from the Giants in a trade. And he, you know, he worked his way into a role, a role there. And Dave Tobe had to trust him to put him back there and all the things in place. But Dan, let's be very honest, common sense here. That was all Kadarius Tony. Now I know he got to the wall behind it. But that was amazing athleticism. Once he saw an opening and daylight, he ran to it. So I will, I will give Dave Tobe credit because the coach always deserves it. But that was that was as much Kadarius Tony having that kind of instinct as much as anything to me. Yeah, and he just kept going. You thought, oh, okay, oh, yeah. it's going to fizzle out here. Oh, it's going to fizzle out here. He just kept going all the way inside the 10, down to the 5, and now all of a sudden you've given Patrick Mahomes the gift of all gifts. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, for as well as he played, and, and again, the second half, I think he threw one incomplete pass on a on a throwaway. I think he was 13 for 14. But he gets the, the benefit of a defensive touchdown and a, a special teams return that gives him a 5-yard field to, to score a touchdown with. And 
so that's a, a beautiful display of taking the gifts that are given to you and, and cashing them in. 65-yard punt return, the longest in Super Bowl history. So Dave Tobe has been a part of special teams history in two different Super Bowls that he's been on the sidelines for, Devin Hester's and uh, Kadarius Toney uh, against the Eagles. More ex-Bear Nuggets. Look, I like seeing the video. I know that we don't have to revisit the Matt Nagy uh, era, and it triggered me last week, but that's okay. <laughs> but I like seeing him in the locker room with the video that I saw Patrick Mahomes giving him a hug and thanking him for his role in this. That was cool. Also, Vic Fangio stuck around for two weeks. The Eagles paid him to come up with that game plan. Oh, boy, I don't know. Did they make Vic pay for incidentals in Arizona? Because at the end of the day, the second-half game plan was not too good defensively. But that was interesting to hear his name mentioned during the broadcast. Other ex-Bear um, uh, names that were included were kind of funny. I mean, Robert Quinn wasn't part of it. Yeah, what happened to Robert Quinn after I, the trade? I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But, uh, yeah, it's always fun to get the ex-Bear input. Yeah. No question. Like, I mean, like I say, I mean, the field and the penalty, those were the, the two things I started on the top of my sheet is like the uh, those are the cringe moments of that game. But that was a, a, a really, really good football game between two really good teams. And I, I like I, I can't say enough. I'm, I said on the air on 670 score on Monday afternoon that I went from, you know, the full fledged. Patrick Mahomes appreciation club to I'm a full on Patrick Mahomes stand now. Like I, I can't get enough of what this dude is and where he can continue to go at age 27. It, it's ridiculous, but Jalen Hurts's performance should not be lost in this because that dude was money all night long. And he showed the fortitude to bounce back, not only from uh, the fumble and, and lead a touchdown drive right after that, but after the chiefs got that 35 to 27 lead and you thought, okay, that could be, you know, the nail in the coffin. Right down the field, another touchdown by Hertz. Uh, you know, he goes in on the two-point conversion to tie it, which was not an easy conversion, and he guts that through and gets it across. He played so well. There's the the conversion throw to Goddard that they reviewed and thankfully upheld. There was a play early in the game. It was a third and long where the Chiefs had him. They had him dead in the pocket, and they just didn't come flat enough with their rush pattern. And he did one of those Justin Fields-esque spins out the back door of the pocket and then converted uh, with a, with a beautiful pass on a drive that ended with points. And you're like, that's, that's just special. And for that dude playing in that game for the first time and to, to rise up and meet that moment, that's what we're talking about, right? We talked all fall about meeting moments. Jalen hurts did it. He did it all year and he did it on the biggest stage. I am a big fan of Jalen hurts. I love the way that he took a step forward this year. And he was, you know, a guy that rose to the occasion except for one play in, in Super Bowl 57. That said, imagine being a Philadelphia Eagle fan. You are already have a disposition. You're in a bad mood just by definition of being an Eagles fan. And then you have a team that you think is w w the best in a generation, a defense that's making history. You get to the Super Bowl, you got a 10-point lead at halftime, and then you blow it. I mean, so how do they come back from in Philadelphia the, to, today and this week and this offseason? They're asking themselves the question, how do, how do we come back from this? The, the Super Bowl runner-up hangover. You wonder about what's going to – in Philadelphia, they're feeling like we're number two. We're number two. They got the Phillies that fell short. They've got the Eagles that fell short. They're ready to boo Santa Claus. They booed Dak Prescott for getting <laughs> a man of the year award. <laughs> 